Blasting down both barrels at ultraviolet maximum, searing through the servo skull of injustice. We are the last bolt of rebellion. Six six five dot six six UHMR Chemrat Radio, holding it down here at Frank's Rucka Truck, and with hand cannons this oversized. Who needs backup? Let's get down here quick, Hivers, and supply up with all these extra forearmed emperor sightings. Looks like our big ratty boys don't want to stay in the sump much longer. <laughs> we never overwhelmed. Just in a target-rich environment. Always smelling like an unhealthy combination of burnt ozone and melted iron. I am your plasma fiend, Goblin King, joined today by my co-host, who has a penchant for double-fisting oversized hand cannons, the blast of Misfit Alley, Marky. They don't call me DP Marky for no reason. <laughs> 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 and ready to shred and tear with either his bare hands or those impressive power claws. It's the polar bear of the Frost Hollow, Shuckerfly. I hang out in the Frost Hollow because it just naturally gives me hard points. <laughs> it's like you can cut glass with those things. Sometimes. <laughs> Welcome to episode 67 of Under the Hive of Madness, Heroes of 40K. Gorgots Edunta. Was that good enough? That was pretty good. That was pretty, pretty good. good. Go right. Ed Enter. You know, Ed Enter. You don't have Tom here to, to shame you for Yell speaking. Or- I'm here for the Bengals and Franks. Ex <laughs> <laughs> John Vangus. This impressively sized, arrogant, and mean orc is one of the heroes featured in the popular Dawn of War video game series, being the oldest character of note in the series and appearing second only to Gabriel. Angelos, the chapter master of the Blood Ravens. Gorguts is famed for taking his enemies' heads and sticking them on his pointy sticks. Since, as he pointed out to a supremely mouthy knob once, it would make no sense to put someone's foot on me pointy sticks, would it? You're into toes. <laughs> if you're part of the podcast. <laughs> As we move forward with our Heroes of 40K segments, we will continue to turn to our patrons to help us decide on our next subject. So stop what you're doing right now and go join. Shameless plug. There are a few other perks, like seeing our lovely faces and seeing the images that we look at and refer to while recording each episode. However, gents, before we jump into the deep end and get lost in diving into the lore tidbits of Gorguts, let's talk Dawn of War as a gaming series. It was fun. It was fun, yeah. (laughs) The first one and the second one definitely had different feels. I loved playing the original stuff. Yeah. The first one. The first one was a great game. Yeah. I I mean, I I love StarCraft, and when you throw a 40K skin on starcraft i mean it just makes it that much better yeah and as as the game play kind of moved towards that company of heroes gameplay i really enjoyed that too that was i think that was a little bit more dawn of war 2 i have i i flipped dawn of war 1 and dawn of war 2 gameplay in my head a lot yeah when you got the uh what's that dawn of war 2 when you got to play with your buddies and you just play the heroes yeah and like the ongoing thing i had two buddies i would play that with not 40k players at all I'd play BF2 with them all the time. I got them to buy the game, got them to play this, and my one buddy I'd known forever, he ended up buying Soulstone, the expansion with the Sisters of Battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Necrons, I think. Yeah, I never played that one, but he's like, he, he was like laughing one day. 
he had something where he could see like on BF2 like uh how much you were actually paying per time after like the thing you bought the game like the hours worked out the percentage of money and whatever <laughs> and he's like, like you know the game only actually cost him like 0. 0.001 cent what, whatever the value so of the much. play time was it yeah was, yeah it was like the same thing for soulstone i'm like jesus christ dude like how he's like i just love killing everything with the sisters of battle i'm like jesus fucking christ don't we all so I uh the the game that I have put the most hours into since Steam, since the advent of Steam and counting your hours. So I'm even tossing out the original Half-Life and stuff like that because that predates current modern Steam, but it's uh it's Avalanche Studios Mad Max, which I've 98%ed. It's one of the only games that I've almost 100%ed as far as like achievement hunting goes on it. And um that's a lot. I've played like 198 hours, <laughs> which probably pales in comparison to like World of Warcraft or other games that I've played. But like, it Where was you're able, able to track it. Yeah. It, yeah. It, just like a single game. I it know, actively uh, tracked it. It counts it all up. I, I've probably starting to approach that with Days Gone. These, these like open world third person combat games are starting to fall into my like gaming groove, like the Witcher threes, like it, any game that falls into that, like third person action combat seems to really be my groove right now for whatever I was gonna reason. Say, like if, uh, if Kevin was here, he'd be able to tell you the hours on, uh, uh he's probably, <clears throat> yeah, he's pro dude. So, uh, I think I have, so my son, yeah, uh, he started playing Goat Simulator <clears throat> when he was like ten thousand hours. <laughs> when he was like four, when he when he was like four years old, I think he started playing Goat Simulator. He's put four hundred and fifty hours into Goat Simulator just on my Steam account. That's not counting my Xbox, which wow. is what he's playing on now. <laughs> it's it's my most played game in my library, and I haven't even played it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing! All right, uh, so now, so now I'm interested because I because we're friends. Oh, uh, so, so I, let's see. My uh, all, my all next, are... my my actual most played game is Monster Hunter World, like almost 400 hours. So Kevin has played Total War Warhammer Three for 186 hours. Uh, he's not he's not here to defend himself. So that's not that much. Yeah, I put 85 hours in the Dawn of War Two, and that's mainly Damn. in the. You guys remember the Coliseum, like little. Like hero battle thing. Yes, uh, I think most of my time went there. Went to there. So, yeah, more than the story or playing other players. I haven't oh, played. Oh, I I take that back. I think my most played game is Stellaris. You know, I don't, I don't think I've played anything on Steam in like four years. Oh, Steam so is my go-to man. So there's a game called Stellaris, which is a. It's not an RTS. It's like a. It's more like a Civ game. It's a Civ game, uh, and it basically deals with like galactic conquest. Uh, I have played like Dawn of War. I have played seven hundred and ninety-eight point five hours of Stellaris. Oh my god! You uh, like being a dictator? Yeah. Well, it's it's um they have an Iron Man mode, so like if you fuck up your diplomacy, you can get wiped off the face of the planet really fast, and like the, wiped off the face of the galaxy pretty fast. So there's games that I probably played for like a hundred hours that my empire died in, and then I would start another one. It's uh, a cool game. It's a cool game. So 
That's what's cool because in Dawn of War, the diplomacy is kill everything. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. I've put six hours into Dawn of War 3. I don't even remember playing it. There's apparently, a Dawn of War apparently Kevin has done 18.5 hours in Dawn of War 3. I was looking for his Dawn of War 2 stat because I figured that would be the big one, but apparently he hasn't played it that, that oh, recently. Interesting. So, Monster Hunter Rise is on sale. I almost bought it today. Yeah. It's really been, tempted. Uh, I've been holding back just because I have to buy it three times for yeah. me, the wifey, and my daughter. Yeah. Anyway, to get to get back to Dawn of War, uh, I played the first one all the way through. I played about yep. half of the second one. No, I played more than half of the second one because the second one has a bunch of mods where you can do like apocalypse level games. And I did a bunch of that stuff. I did a bunch of the custom maps and all of that. Um, I did not. I own. I pre-ordered. I'm one of the people who pre-ordered Dawn of War 3. I, I got it, you know, whatever it was, like. 10 hours or two days before release or whatever. Cause I pre-ordered with steam. I have never played it. <laughs> wow. Uh, I have logged in and I've played with the army painter, but I love, uh, love the army painter stuff on that yeah, game. Right. Which is a very cool feature of it, but looking into a little bit, I, I this would definitely, this is definitely Kev's wheelhouse. So I'm going to fill in for him a little bit, looking a little bit into the controversy of Dawn of war three very much it is a mediocre game with a middle of the road story and can you say it in a certain way though mediocre oh, how does he say it mediocre mediocre <laughs> <laughs> he like points it? mediocre um the the story is very middle of the road the cg the the cut scenes are atrocious they are either wow. motion comment comics or they are like click through powerpoints was it, was it relic speech bubbles it was relic they didn't wow. put as much money into the cutscenes as they and, they and that's pretty much what happened so that that trailer for dawn of war 3 is amazing it is probably one of the best single it's, cinematics everybody falling right where yes. everybody's falling yeah, yeah. And you see like the eldar titan yeah running into the imperial knight it is it yeah, is that's like amazing. Such a beautiful cinematic. And then the game just isn't like that. It's just the game isn't that dirty. It's lot lots of bright colors and clear lines. There's not grit into it. There's not that much damage. You know, the cutscenes are either that motion sucks. graphics where there's a couple of different, you know, layered artworks that sort of shift and move along each other is what, what I mean when I say motion graphics. So like, you know, Gabriel Anglo Ang Angelos is um, rendered as if he's being like pushed back by lightning in a static position. It's just a picture. And then there's lightning that's on top of it. And then there's a background and the background slowly pans to the left while Gabriel slowly pans to the right and the lightning flashes a couple of times. And that was the animation, which just again, from a video game company, especially a video game company that released that cinematic, it just, it felt jolting and not really part of it. Anytime you have to go through cutscene level story in a modern game and they make you JRPG click through the text bubbles while they show you static pictures is just like, seriously, is this like, like yeah, Final Fantasy not... 7 didn't do this. What are you doing? Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I don't have it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the other big issue was a lot of the lore breaking, the thing that everybody harps on. There's a lot of lore breaking stuff. 
uh, Gabriel is able to do like backflips and like the Titan is able to like sl- the the Eldar Wait, Wraith Lord is able how, to like how is slide the kick. Space Marine doing backflips, lore breaking because he's in Terminator because he's armor. in Terminator armor and he's doing oh, like okay, three well, uh, of them okay. before he lands. <laughs> then I'm pi- then I'm pissed now. Yeah, does, it's like, just backflips. It's just one of those things where like it it sounds like a silly gripe until you watch footage of it and then you're like, wow, this looks hokey as shit. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And it, it makes it doesn't make sense in universe and for the game. It makes sense for what was happening in video gaming at the time. Apparently it's not really that bad of a game if you have the stomach to go back and play it. The first half of the game is pretty bad. The second half of the game apparently ramps up and gets quite a bit better with like cut scenes all of a sudden being more animated and it just which just seems would be a really jarring experience too it also forced you and marky you had mentioned this in an earlier episode it also forced you to play a different race there were only three races so the first game there are four races and then there was a dlc which added three and then the second game i think almost every faction is in it with all the DLCs taken into account. And then the third game is three factions, which it's Warhammer. Why are you going with Eldar orcs and humans? I mean, I know why you're going with Eldar orcs and humans, obviously, but like if the last sequence in the story, cause it's all a continuous story and, and we'll get into that here in a second, Matt, by the way, if you want to play any of these games, this episode is going to have minor spoilers for the games and a lot of spoilers for the named character that we're talking about because we're talking about a hero that exists in the games um, and griping who's, who's also part of 40k um but yeah and, and griping but it, it forced you so not only did it make you play only those three races and, and marky you had pointed this out like the first mission you play as humans you play as space marines and you play one side of the battle and then the very second game you play the eldar and you and you're defending against the actions you just did as the human player, which is interesting if executed well, but because it forced you to trade races every mission, it made it difficult to learn what you were doing, which is something, Marky, you've pointed out, Total War does too, where like the, the learning curve is, let me stick with one race. Let me play dwarves for 12 hours and then let me play elves for 12 hours if I want to. Don't force me to play the next race and then the next race. Um, and there, there are games that did it well. StarCraft Two obviously did that. It had you switch between a couple of different races, but usually you played like Terrans three times and then you moved. So it, it just, it was, it's definitely a product of 2016. Yeah, there was think- the heavy push to MOBA everything. There was a heavy push to follow StarCraft Two. Yeah. That's when it came out. Yep. Star War Three came out twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so spoiler alerts about a property that's almost ten years old. <laughs> and yeah, is wow. part of Warhammer forty K lore anyway, so <laughs> deal with it. I oh, I missed out. Yeah, what I were you gonna like say, Marky? That uh I kinda like the way StarCraft did it more, where you get to actually just choose the campaign that you want. So like right. you choose that you play you play through the Terran campaign and then once you're done with that okay now I can play the Zerg campaign and it's different acts and whatnot and yeah it's right. completely different <clears throat> yeah I I don't like having to swap through different uh, different races like at the drop of a dime especially if like I don't care for the race too much and like I have no 
no interest in it. Like, if I didn't like playing orcs, like, why are you forcing me to play orcs? Like, or, like, let, at least let me choose what campaign I want to play through kind of thing. But, I mean, yeah. it's been so long since I played Dawn of War 3, I honestly don't even remember yeah. my experience with it. And a lot of races in RTS games have like synergies that built into them. So, you know, here, here I just spent 45 minutes learning the Eldar synergies and now I'm playing orcs. Okay, cool. Now I know the orc synergies. Okay. Now I'm playing space Marines. Okay. Now I know the space Marines. Oh, now I'm playing Eldar. I forgot the fucking center. I don't remember how these units fight together anymore. Like I don't, what I have to, you have to start all over. It just, um, it's interesting. Dawn of war is the reason why I started buying gaming computers now I think about it. <laughs> Donna War is the reason that Kevin got into any of the lore at all. So it's interesting that like like two different approaches that you you got into gaming computers because of it because of it. That's Be, because the computer I was using was my mother-in-law's old computer for her work. <laughs> it was like an old work laptop. Oh or man, something. and I'm talking, and I'm I'm talking. You know, it's like the ten-inch screen or whatever it was. Oh my god! Oh my god! And 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 I just remember sitting there, recently married, playing the first Dawn of War, and being like, "This is amazing." Where did my wife go? Where's the kids? Oh, everybody's asleep. Fuck! It's two o'clock in the fucking morning. I gotta go to work tomorrow, and I'm not drunk. Oh, it's I better been, go to. I better oh, it's go to been bed. Eighteen hours, man. That, yeah, the, and then the computer died. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? And then buddy of mine helped me pick out a like a, a bought one. You know, a Best Buy pre-made gaming pre. Well, really wasn't a gaming computer, but like a higher end computer at Best Buy. And I was like, oh man, bigger screen. I was like, this is fucking amazing <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i think i remember uh do you do you know off the top of your head around what year donald war came out the first one? i want to say like 2005 really no it had to be it had to be in the 90s. earlier than that it was not the 90s i'm gonna say 2002 initial 93. release september 20th 2004 really really yeah it was almost two it was four fourth quarter 2004 I guess that makes sense. I think I was in middle school or something. No, I was in high school. What the fuck? Yeah. Donna, so, I was out. If it makes you feel any better, Chuck, I was out of college. <laughs> I was married with fucking kids. And I'm the youngest in the group, man. Well, I think Matt is now, actually. Donna War 2 came out in 2009, and Donna War 3 came out in 2016. Damn, dude. I felt like it was the 90s. Dawn of War was pretty much like here. Here's another. I'm. I was gonna say hot take, but I don't. This is like a lukewarm take. This is like a cold take. Dawn of War was probably the first good, good Warhammer game. It was probably the first double A Warhammer game because Relic wasn't a triple A studio yet, but it was definitely. It wasn't an it wasn't an indie title, and it wasn't a triple A, and it was a solid good game. I mean, yeah, for, the first one was a blast. Yeah, I was I, gonna say I feel like it's the one of the best forty K games out there still. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, Re, I'll, you know, Space Marine is another game made by Relic. Another game made by Relic that was really good. So that game's fucking great. And Dark Dark Space Tide's Marine. pretty damn good. I would put Dark Tide in my top. But it, yeah, we when we get around to redoing our 
best games in 40k, best video games in 40k are yeah, our episode three Circle update. Around. We'll have to we'll have to change up our order, but yeah. That's right. We did do that. Forgot about that episode. Been a while. We're gonna have to <laughs> have has. another one because we've got hired gun now. We've got Dark Tide. We've got Space Marine Two should be out sooner or later. I, I feel sector. yeah, Battle Sector. What's the what's the one that's super popular on mobile right now? Tac Tactica? Tacticus or something Tacticus. like that. I haven't played it, but I played it for like four hours. I so, heard it was good. Is that the one where you gotta build your space port? thing no that's battle sector okay yeah, i gave up on it tacticus is like final fantasy tactics style like it's a tactics game uh my issue with it is like a lot of warhammer games are like you have to play through the space marine shit first and i'm like i don't want to play through that. i i do not want to play 10 hours of a mobile game to get through the space marine content so i can unlock a faction i want to play why not they're the best faction yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm quitting this podcast right now. <laughs> Walking out the door. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you hate to see it, but I hate to see it. Those of it's, an, I know it's an audio <laughs> format, but <laughs> join the Patreon to see how many times I flip off Chuck this episode. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, let's talk about good old Gorguts. He first appeared in the Imperial Record as an orc clan war boss on the ice world of Lorne 5, which is the planet that the first Dawn of War game takes place on. The planet had been contested between various orc tribes for generations, and it was the rise of Gorguts that saw the tribes united through conquest, as is the orky way. He would burn the banners of defeated war bosses when he claimed their clans as his own, which I thought was a u- little unique extra flavor that, you know, other war bosses. So when you're coming up with lore for your war boss, you know, maybe he steals everybody's left shoe. Like he does something to show his conquest. He moves everybody's office supplies <laughs> on their desk one inch to the right, except for one thing, you know, whatever, just to We're- establish that dominance. Where's their their banners is his underwear. <laughs> By the time he had united all of these tribes, he already had his exoskeleton war suit, which would be used by him in every further campaign. Notably, he defeated the Foot Stompas, a clan that trained and went to war using massive squigoths. To defeat them, he stirred them all up into a panic and then released them as a stampede against the foot stompas themselves, which I think is just a great fucking tactic for dealing with it. It's karma. Yeah, right? <laughs> Gorguts and Lord Kroll of the World Eaters Traitor Legion came into conflict over the remains of an Emperor Titan that was buried beneath the ice world surface. Eventually... Lorne 5 drew the attention of Lord General Strun and the 412th Cadian Shock Troops, as well as the forces of Farseer Tandril of Craft World Ulithae, with each force competing to control or deny the Titan to the others. So the first game, you know, vanilla out the box was Cadians, Orcs, and Eldar. Uh, and Ka- Eldar and Chaos, excuse me. In the first game, they were the Blood Ravens too, right? They come in later, yeah. And, in the and, game. And, yes, towards the end of the game. And they have other 
chaos forces eventually. So it's the world eaters at the beginning, what you get like open chaos towards the end of the game. God, I just don't remember the storyline the first. I gotta replay those games. As we introduce the lore to listeners, we introduce it chronologically. So at times, depending on how a game, and th- this game is old, <laughs> it's almost 20 years old at this point. It's 17 years old or something at this point. So I haven't played it probably in 12 to 13 years at the at the least. And even at that point, I probably wasn't playing the story anymore. I was probably just playing the missions and the mods. We'll introduce it chronologically. So there's a good chance that the games don't introduce the content chronologically or that there's stuff that has been filled in lore story-wise since that isn't in the games. So bear that in mind. Uh, You know, Gorguts is an active part of the Warhammer 40k universe and lore. He's still out there. He can be, you know, you can make him and field him on tabletop. He is a... Obviously, he's not a Codex character, but because the box contains the important Warhammer 40k logo, it is official lore. There's no weird canon continuity side legends universe that he belongs to that is not part of the story. (laughs) All that crap that you have to worry about with Star Wars and Marvel is not there. About where in the timeline is it, though? It's before the fall of Cadia. Gotcha. It's set in the third edition to eighth edition set of timeline stuff. Okay. This four-sided conflict eventually saw the chaos Marines and orcs ally with one another. Although it was short lived Gorguts had convinced Lord crawl to the Alliance after the orc warlord had led his forces in destroying a chaos outpost. So he had to prove to the world eaters that he was badass enough to defeat them in battle. Their alliance only seemed to foster a bitter rivalry between the Chaos Lord and the War Boss, and eventually Gorguts betrayed the alliance and attacked the Chaos Marines. While Gorguts' forces were eventually driven from the world, it wasn't before the War Boss had managed to take Lord Kroll's head and add it to the collection on his pointy stick. The War Boss also came in direct conflict with Farseer Taldir. But both warlords survived this encounter. It's unknown to the Imperium how he escaped, but soon after making his escape from Lorne V, Gorguts acquired Iraq and began to raid local planets, including the Tau colonies along the edge of the Eastern Fringe. Eventually, he crash-landed his rock onto the Tau world of Kronos. You know, just pillaging and taking all the uh, children. It's the... We drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and fight. (laughs) (laughs) Orc lifestyle. (laughs) It's an orky life for me. Uh, What's the, what's the cast that that's just the normal people? Is there, is there a cast that's just normal people? The workers. This is a earth cast. cast. Yeah. Fire cast are warriors. Earth cast are like artisans and builders and water cast are ambassadors. Air cast are pilots. All those. Earth and water benders just getting wrecked, like <laughs> gore guts. Cronus is an interesting world. I definitely looked up a little bit of information on Cronus itself. So not only is this spoiler rich, but we're also introducing all of this from Gorguts's perspective. So we're not going to jump in. You guys will notice we didn't spend an hour talking about Lord Kroll. As we go through this, as we look at more heroes, 
we can toss some of these guys up there and cover their sides of the conflict too. But yeah, essentially I did a little bit of digging into the plant, each of the planets just cause I wanted to know a little bit more. Cause like Gorguts is like, this is what I did on the planet. I'm gone. And I'm like, that's not exciting. What, what was the plan? Why did anybody there? Why were people there? Why did you go there? Speaking of, we have mentioned orc rocks several times, but we've never talked about orc rocks. So let's take a couple minutes to talk about orc rocks. These are the most feared of all orc spacecraft and are just massive asteroids. These have been taken and hollowed out by mech boys and then outfitted with orky engineering, which is what I do for a living and my day job is orky engineering. I just bullshit throw things together and hope they work. This includes massive guns, plasma engines, and what passes for electronics, navigation, and countermeasures, as well as any other weapon an orc can strap to any open patch of space on the asteroid surface, which I thought was a great description. They're like, ah, let's just strap an anti-aircraft gun here. Well, why? Well, because there's nothing here. Does it fit? <laughs> this part of the rock doesn't have a gun and it needs one. They lack so warp... What's up? Uh, I was going to say, it sounds like an orc. <laughs> right? <laughs> or extra engines. I That's the other thing. Like, there'll be big plasma drives inside of them, but they'll just strap r- legitimate like chemical combustion rocket engines to the outside so they go a little faster. <laughs> do, do they paint them red is the question. One hundred. Everything's painted red, always. So rocks lack warp drives and are incapable of unassisted warp travel, and most don't ever actually enter the warp or travel. They can enter the warp if they're swallowed by a warp storm, shot into warp rift, dragged along with a space hulk. There are ways that rocks can end up in the warp. They just can't go into the warp on their own. They often just drift on the solar winds, becoming a plague to the worlds that they happen upon. They are also often used as a one-way attack and re-entry device, the war boss positioning them to slam into the planet's surface as the opening moment of an orc invasion. They aren't reusable when used this way, and this is most often eagerly accepted based on the amount of damage they can do to the planet and its defenses. It's just, just such a great of, strategy. Hey, we're going to crash this. It, it just <laughs> reminds me of uh, Majura's mask. It's like that, that moon with the face just coming towards the planet every day. <laughs> just getting closer. Closing, Everyone just closing, lit. Closing. It, what's the... Uh, there's the the meme face of uh, who's the guy that plays Green Goblin? Willem Dafoe. Yeah, look, look up uh, Willem Dafoe. Uh, I'm face. I'm I'm something of a scientist myself. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but it's it's basically just like him looking up. But it's just, like this is the face of everybody on the planet. That's a lot of memes. Yeah, I mean Willem Dafoe's like a his own. Yeah, it's it's just oh. the, everybody on the planet. Is just, <laughs> oh my god, that's the one. The green screen one is the one to use. <laughs> Those were all the Tau. <laughs> the Tau looking up as Gorguts slammed his rock into their planet. I just think it's 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 such a great like, and and very orky <laughs> bit of flavor. They build these things. They they spend time like mech boys go in. They they fucking mine the whole thing out. They drag in technology. They test it. They make sure that they can drive it. You know, they tool around they in it, it, attacking lesser worlds as often as they want to. And then they get to a juicy target and they're like, you know, it'd be dope, guys. 
Let's fucking hit it with the rock. <laughs> Let's fucking just crash it. Smash our entire vessel. And nobody in Orc Command is like, but then we won't be able to leave. They're just like, oh yeah, this is a great fucking idea, boys. Strap in, we're going down. <laughs> we're going going in deep and hard. You know, un unofficial, unofficial tinfoil conspiracy theory time. We talked oh, about God. we talked about the Maw last episode on our first episode of under the realms of madness that giant comet that slammed into the or ogre area and just like devin what if it was this an orc, orc rock, rock. <laughs> fucking everywhere <laughs> fucking everywhere man you can't imagine that the fucking rock crashes everybody's like what the fuck now we got a nuclear winter why are there fucking orcs here now? <laughs> and suddenly orcs. Yeah. That they, hey, that's the, uh, what was that? What was the movie with Gerard Butler that came out a couple of years ago that the entire premise was an asteroid was going to hit the earth? <laughs> it's bad. Like the asteroid, no, it's the moon. The moon's going to crash into the earth. Wasn't that recently? Like, moon? and like, was it Moonfall? Or, I, I, I don't moonfall. think it was, I don't, maybe it was Moonfall. No, because Moonfall, the moon's hollow. Right? Oh, I don't know. No, it's I, crashing. There is okay. So there is this bad the sci-fi movie. Yeah, there's this bad sci-fi movie. There's this bad blockbuster sci-fi movie where either an asteroid or the moon is going to crash into Earth, and it keeps getting like super close and fucking with the gravity, and a bunch of shit goes goes wild. And of course, Planet I, Killer. I think it's Gerard Butler, but it could be somebody I else. Know. I can't remember. I, remember I think it's preview. Gerard Butler. No, I think I'm confusing two two movies. So there's a movie called Greenland where an asteroid is going to hit the Earth and Gerard Butler's family is one of the families that's able to get into an ark in Greenland that's going to save them. And they go into it and then it does the whole like like pretty stereotypical sci-fi thing where it's like two years later and the doors grind open and they see that the Earth is like returning to its natural state because you know all of the people and and there's obvious i i want to say there's a hint that there were like people outside that survived the cataclysm or whatever but can you imagine like you go through this entire this is the hollywood movie i want to see starring gerard yeah. butler okay an asteroid is coming to earth they mobilize everybody they get they get fucking um bruce willis in an asteroid with <laughs> with Matt Damon and the other guy and they go up to blow it into pieces and it doesn't work. And Gerard Butler's on the ground. He's trying to save all the people. And, and John Cusack is there and they're trying to fly an airplane out of LA as LA falls in the, all of the disaster movie shit that has happened in since one Armageddon movie. comes out in one fucking movie. Okay. And then they do that last sequence where all of our heroes are standing in a line and the doors are slowly grinding the fuck open and it gets all the way. And then there's just an orc war boy or an orc fucking mech boy standing at the top of the ramp looking down. And he's like, Oi, what are you lot doing inside our loot? Right. <laughs> and then I'm away to fight all you unis. That's, that's even... how the movie fucking ends. It just goes to credits. Like they don't explain it anything dude that's not even the end of the movie that's like the what is it, the the post credit scene yeah the post credit <laughs> scene right so like the the end of the actual movie is the door starts to crack open and it's credits and then the, you wait till the end and that's when it's <laughs> you know, the war boss or the mech boy when they finally open it up 
That's <laughs> fucking great. And then you never release a follow-up movie <laughs> yeah. ever. There's there's like like all there's of us Warhammer nerds are like, yeah, we love it. Everybody else is like, this movie is trash. You only need to watch the post credit scene. That's, yeah, the, that's the only that's, part that matters. That's the whole movie. Everyone's like, what, what, what the fuck was that thing at the end of the movie? Yeah. And then the screen goes black and all I hear is, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, the bottom of the screen glows green a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, my best God. movie ever. This and is why they, this is probably planet. why they don't give us a bunch of money to green light movies. <laughs> or or no, even better yet. So so it's hinted at throughout the entire movie because obviously, you know, it's it's a it's a movie and you've got to show the asteroid side of things too. But usually when they show the asteroid side of things, it's just like an ominous shot over the edge of the asteroid. And it's just, whom, 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 right? But in our see version... Trucks, you see trucks <laughs> jumping ramps. Right. In our version, it goes to the asteroid, and you just see a bunch of fucking orcs fighting each other and drinking, and, like, one guy trying to steer it towards Earth. <laughs> they're, all, they're all placing bets while there's grots riding squigs fighting each other in a it. Fucking jousting in the background. The boy. I can't do it, Captain. I don't have <laughs> I the did, power. I didn't have the power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, right. all, of our, at him. <laughs> all of our Hollywood listeners right now, get us. This is our pitch. <laughs> we will sit in a yeah. room with Henry, with Mr. Cavill at our side. We will Dev- pitch it to, to Netflix or Amazon, or Paramount Plus. It doesn't matter. Apple TV, oh, get us in a room. <laughs> it'll it'll it be could, the next Ace Ventura. It could end up, well, no, no. If you do Netflix, it could be a series. Right. And the series is the orcs on the rock traveling that whole distance for 10 episodes. And then the and last episode like, is just a disaster. La- a, 20, episode, a 2012 disaster movie. The last, the last episode, all of a sudden, you know, it's towels or humans are going, the fuck is this rock coming? <laughs> and the orcs are like, here we come, humans. <laughs> and then you, that's when we get Henry Cavill to to hire William Defoe to just look up at the rock, just look up at the, the sky, and, and that the scene as, is as a towel. It's it's William Defoe looking up in like horrid shock, and then it it switches to the asteroid's perspective, and it's a it's an orc knob on one of those like mechanical bulls on top of the asteroid. <laughs> Here we come. And, and, the, and, the, and the funny part would be like it just it just it shows it falling, but they never show the hit. It's like boom, done. Tenth episode, everything. <laughs> so what the fuck happened? No, that's it. We're you never gonna. We're never gonna make a second. Like it, we, we never planned on doing multiple. We don't care how popular it is. The plan was never to make multiple episodes or multiple series or whatever it's called seasons. We never planned season just arcs. One. It's just one just and done. One episode. It's just watching orcs Ten, being drunk flying uh, to one, a planet. One season of 10 episodes of pure fucking madness, and then we're done. We're out. <laughs> Bill, people fall in love with the orc characters, fall in love with the grots. Oh, man, I want a pet squig. That was it? Like, did, they, did they die? Did they all die? What happened to them? And it's just over. And then, like, instead of actually writing episodes, we'll just take episode snippets from, pre- uh, from prestige television shows, like, 
you know, Last of Us, Stranger Things. We'll just take an episode from each and it will be the orcs on the rock who are obsessed with the show acting it out. (laughs) Orcs running around going, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, my God, an orc version of fucking Die Hard. (laughs) This is why, this, guys, we need a Hollywood. Somebody who's listening, get us in front of Hollywood. It, this is gold. We'll make tens of dollars. <laughs> orcs, orcs running around screaming, La Leviosa. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Welcome, no, everybody. No, you're not Harry Potter. I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> this is an episode of them scarring themselves it's a fucking, up, it's fighting a fucking each weird, other. It's a fucking weird boy. No, I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> and, then, and then the knob is like, no, and it fucking smashes him with a club. <laughs> this is my wand. <laughs> I fucking love it. Orc humor, man. Man, oh, that's fucking great. It's like a fucking you got, okay. All right, we, we, back, I, back, I, I, sw- back. Okay, I swear we'll get back. We'll, we'll transition really back, back in a War second. Um, you guys, you guys remember Reign of Fire? You've, you've oh, seen the movie Reign yeah. of Fire, and and they're yes. they're um they're acting out all the Star Wars things Star Wars? for the kids that are watching. It's just that, but orcs for for an hour <laughs> of prestige television Ten every episodes. night. 10 episodes of orcs acting out popular human movies. You got it. You got to do uh, them. <laughs> you got to do like one for one. So like one episode is the orcs playing out like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play, playing out like different movies that they're getting like from radio transmissions or whatever like oh the the historical documents of this planet. <laughs> And the other episodes are the Tau or humans, whatever's on the planet, <laughs> like, trying to stop the rock. So it's like Armageddon. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like they're doing army, like all the shitty, all the shitty, well, not shitty, all, all the, the, the movies, <laughs> like trying to stop a comet or whatever. You got like, oh don't my look God. up. Yeah, everybody's, right. Everybody's screwing as the rock is hitting the planet. <laughs> that would, that's the twist end to don't look when you... Netflix, when you do, don't look up too. Hire us. We have we have the storyline. We're ready oh. to go. It'll be several hours of orcs playing out famous movies like Gone with Die the Hard. Wind and Die oh. Hard and Citizen <laughs> Kane. And just like we got it, you got to throw the boring movies in there, like uh, Casablanca. Oh, <laughs> like, like, frankly, darling, I don't care. <laughs> like shakes his jowls and spit goes everywhere. <laughs> you like Green Mile? <laughs> Green so, Mile. Oh my orc, god, orc dude! Just, so Orc just grabbing the crotch of another like jailed oh, grot, and he's just like, "I'll heal you." <laughs> you, you do indies and proposal, and the Orcs are just throwing teeth at each other while they're ba- laying on a basic, bed. Basic, basic. <laughs> basic instinct <laughs> like you got a an orc wearing a blonde wig in an office chair but as he spins around he's just compl- legs as far spread as possible oh, and a oh, squig yeah. right in his lap <laughs> all right um and we got it okay <sighs> so orcs crash rocks yeah, into planets <laughs> 
I want to make everybody. this. I want to make wanna this film. If you want to be a Patreon and get more content like this, you can join <laughs> to be a Patreon. Oh, no, they got all that. <laughs> That's going to be in the episode. That's too fucking good. Oh. We got to go on Fiverr and hire like an animator to animate yeah. everything we just talked about. No, that'll be that'll be another podcast where we gotta we gotta tell the stories. I know we've talked about this before of things that, that have happened while gaming at gaming stores. Need the animator for that too. Oh yeah, like one hundred percent. Yeah. So so the point of all of that was that orcs outfit these rocks specifically to to at the end of the day act as a big weapon. This is this is how they're gonna take over your planet. They're gonna crash in, they're gonna do a global level of d- destruction there and then they're going to pour out of it. I, you know, enough of it's going to get to the died. surface. Yeah. Right. And then they're just going to be everywhere and they're orcs. So they're impossible to get rid of. So this is the fate. We're that orcs. Befell. Maybe we're orcs. Tinfoil hat time. We are the orcs. Maybe we are. We the came orcs. on the asteroid to kill the dinosaurs. Oh, I thought you just meant us as the idiots in this podcast. Well, well, besides, <laughs> besides that, that's more like grots. <laughs> You got like land before time. <laughs> fucking rock come. Down. Yep. They, what's the what's the the long tooth? What, no, what's the bad guy? Long tooth. Long long fang. No sharp, sharp tooth. Sharp tooth. Sharp tooth. Sharp tooth. They're getting ready to defeat sharp tooth, and just fucking an orc shoots him. <laughs> this is how the orcs got to the planet of Cronus. Cronus was a world settled during the Dark Age of Technology and played host to conflicts during the Horus Heresy, almost assuredly involving Titan legions of each side, which would have left ruins, discarded Titans, bits of tech, relics everywhere. The planet fell to the Tau Empire and was a and existed as a relatively peaceful colony for several hundred years until General Lucas Alexander of the Imperial Guard pursued Farseer Talndir to the planet under orders of the Ultima Segmentum Command. Unknown to all, Kronos was also an ancient tomb world of the Necrons. So this is the setup for the second game. The orcs crash land on this planet. A bunch of stuff happens. The Imperial Guard forces under somebody else's command were basically sent by the winning portion, the winning characters from the first game. They're sent out to deal with this problem, rinse and repeat. However, to make things more interesting, this planet just also happens to be a tomb world. And the Necrons have not woken up yet, and they wake up when all this shit happens. So as Gorguts arrived on Kronos, he did this by smashing his rock into the surface. He quickly secured leadership over the local population of mostly feral orcs. These feral orcs became part of the Waw that he led during the events of the Dark Crusade. The conflict raged between the Imperium, Chaos, Tau, Eldari, Orcs, and Necrons. Eventually, Gorguts was defeated again by the Blood Ravens chapter and eventually driven from the planet. However, he and a sizable population of his warband escaped alive, and he managed to add several more Eds of Skulls to his pointy stick. He once again acquired a rock and went on a reunion tour. Damn, dude, he just fucking rocks come just coming out the sky. He's just <laughs> It's like they're up there just waiting. Yeah. It's like he just walks over to the corner store corner dealer and is like, I get some rock. The the bodega. <laughs> you get you you got them rocks. Like Gorgut's scratching his neck. 
<laughs> like, you like got them rocks. Dave got Chappelle. Some rocks. I need some more of that. Tyrone. That's good. <laughs> Tyrone Biggums. That's Gorgut's uh, <laughs> last name. <laughs> Gorgut's Ed Unter. Tyrone Biggums. <laughs> <laughs> So his second set of raids was cut short when a massive warp storm dragged Gorguts's rock into the Carvara system, where it crashed into the planet of Carvara 2. Once again, Carvara 2 was also filled to the brim with feral orc clans, which the war boss went about uniting under conquest to his war. Once these new forces had swelled his ranks, he went about making them all proper and orky, by giving them the training they required to use orc technology. He then unleashed these new forces to capture the system from the other factions vying for its control during the Carvara campaign. After his Waz success in defeating and capturing most of the system, Gorguts once again took to his rock and set out to continue to look for another perfect battle. So it it's, I want us, I, these are events from the second game. Uh, there's obviously a lot more factions in the second game. There are a lot more DLCs in the second game. The orcs are really set up as being the primary antag- protag- antagonist. Antagonists, thank you. So they do a lot better. You know, it very much he's on a winning streak as things kind of rush towards the end here and the beginning of the third game. Just crash lines. Yo, my boys now. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. I mean, if you look at him, dude, that guy is massive. He's yeah, got like, he's... a crane claw arm. If you look at his other arm, like, like, yeah, his I'm power pretty sure he's supposed insane. to be taller. <laughs> like, you look at his like his uh, his bicep, and <laughs> they, they like, have he should his... be taller. They, they have him. So, so he he's a very big mech boy, or not mech boy. He's a very big knob in power armor. He has. Lots of skulls decorating all the various spikes and everything on his trophy rack. His power claws, Mark, he just said, it's enormous. It's like a giant crane claw. It's probably it's, it's the, the size, size of, of his body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, he could be toned back. But his... No, absolutely but, not. But Space Marine, he his could be head... toned up. His head is three Space Marine helmets tall. He's longer Roughly. Legs. I was going to say, he skipped leg day, essentially. Yeah, yeah, he skipped leg day. There's a picture of him somewhere where he's there's a grot like next to him. Yeah, right there. The grot is the size of the toe on his mech armor. And I, I know that grots boy. are small, but... <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy, and he's, he's hunched over. <laughs> and if you, if you do a Google search for him, there's a couple of cool conversions. This conversion's really dope. Or you could just join our Patreon for $3 a month. But I like this one. The dude built out the claw. Yeah, shameless shameless plug. We've we've shameless plugged a couple of times so far. Yeah, well, you know, we don't give you commercials, so we got to play ourselves. We are the commercial. We are. So after the Carvara campaign, Gorguts joined up with the wall led by war boss Git Stampa quickly becoming one of his top lieutenants. It was under this wall that Git Stampa was part of the siege of the Imperial Night World, a Cypress Ultima. For some reason, Inquisitor Holt had ordered the Imperial Navy to blockade the planet and denied Lady Soleria's Imperial Night House Varlock of any reinforcements planet side. Chapter Master Gabriel Anglios, Angelos, wow, 
Ang- Angolos. <clears throat> Chapters. Chapter Master Gabriel Angelus of the Blood Ravens ran the blockade in order to bring aid to Lady Solaria. 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 Solaria? Yeah, that makes more sense. To Lady Solaria. However, not before Varlock Keep had been looted by Gorguts. With these looted bits, Git Stampa set about building an enormous cannon that would be capable of defeating the Eldar forces that were also on Cyprus Ultima as part of the ongoing conflict. These Eldari forces were not under Farseer Tolndir. At this point, he has died. They are under the leadership of Farseer Maka or Macha. Not not one of the screaming banshees? Uh, No, but it's the... I'm I'm pretty sure it's the chick from the Farseer female lead from the third game, Maka. Matcha. It's it's spelled like the powder that you mix into tea, but I don't know how they pronounce it. Matcha sugar. Matcha. matcha. That green stuff. Yeah. Matcha powder. But uh, so he built a Death Star, eh? <laughs> he built a giant fucking gun. However, Gorguts had sabotaged the cannon, and when <laughs> Gitstapa tried to use it against the his foe Farseer Maka, it exploded in his face. With his rival defeated, Gorguts quickly brought Git Stampa's other lieutenants into line. This included the orc weird boy, Zap Nogin, and Big Mech Wazamaka. Wazamaka has to be my favorite fucking name. Wazamaka. Wazamaka you. I don't know. Wazamaka. <laughs> With a new wog formed, Gorguts set his eye on the world of Acheron. Throughout the last few conflicts that had secured him the Kavara system, he had learned from some of his Eldar opponents that the Spear of Cain was located on Archon, and he sought to add the Supa Pointy Stick to his growing collection. Upon arriving on Archon, Gorguts finds another Imperial blockade, and he seizes on the opportunity to crash his massive starship this time, the Kilkruza, into one of the Imperial Ramilly's class star forts because why would you fight it when you can crash into it instead? Exactly. It's so funny. Like adding rogue, a... rogue one Imperial or Rogue One Rebel Commander is Gorguts. <laughs> that that hammerhead <laughs> ship that crashes into yep. the Star Destroyer. Anyway, what are we gonna say, Marky? I'm sorry. I was gonna say like adding like a what is like a what is it, the spear of Kane? Yeah, the spear of Kane. He just like adds it as like a boot knife. Like, how hilarious would that be to have (laughs) an orc with, like, like some holy relic of another race, and he's just like, ah, it's a good pointy stick, and he just sticks it in a sheath on his foot. Right. Eldar, see, like, hey! Wait a minute. That's that's ours. What the fuck, man? (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff that we left out about the Spear of Cain. There's there's a bunch of, you know, when you look at all of this from the Eldari side, the Spear of Cain is something that has a bunch of prophecy and all of that wrapped up in it. And there were reasons that they were essentially trying to protect these worlds to protect it and all that. But that's a little bit more the storyline of the game, not the storyline of Gore Guts. If you guys are interested in knowing more about the Spear of Cain and more about the actual story of Dawn of War, let us know. Contact us, and we will definitely dive into it. After he crashed the Kill Cruza into the Imperial Ramilly's class Starfort, 
His forces overwhelmed the defending Blood Ravens before making planet fall to Acheron itself. Another star fort, the Helios at this point, appeared out of nowhere, flung from the warp, and crashed into the planet's frozen outer shell for reasons. So Acheron is essentially a planet that has like a defensive shell around it, and then there's an ice world inside of it. And they have to get through to the defensive shell before they can get to the planet itself. So there's like this technological sphere around the planet. And then the planet itself is just like a desolate ice ball with some old ancient ruins on it, essentially. Like, picture that in your mind. And it's pretty cool in the game Dawn of War 3. There's a couple of points where they're like walking on the planet, the surface of the planet, and you can see this giant bloodthirster underneath the ice that's like frozen and trapped there. Yeah, that's cool. There's some there's some other stuff going on with this planet. On the planet, Farseer Maka and the Eldari Ranger Rohan managed to carve a bloody path through Gorgit's orcs just for a chance to speak with him. So in this case, we're talking of still the shell. They're still on the shell of the planet. During this audience, they convinced Gorguts to take on another Eldari force under the command of Artark Kree, who is also trying to get the get to Archon's true surface to get the Spear of Cain. Ranger Rohan leads Gorguts to Kree's outpost, which the Greenskins begin to assault. Gorguts kills the Wraith Lord Valdor, one of Kree's key commanders, forcing Kree to change his focus from breaking into the vault, or breaking the vault of the surface shell, and deal with the Wa instead. While Kree is preoccupied, Farseer Maka, Jane Zar, and a force of striking scorpions raid Kree's main base in an attempt to get Farseer Taldar's spirit stone. However, they are beaten pretty badly, and they only escape with the help of some of the defectors from Kree's force and some of Gorguts's own forces in assistance. Meanwhile, Gorguts has discovered a passage through the outer shell of Acheron and has brought one of Wazmaka's cannons down to crack the vault. This is when Gabriel Angelos arrives and attempts and manages to destroy the cannon. Without waiting for Gabriel to be at a safe distance, Inquisitor Holt orders a bombardment of the vault from orbit in an attempt to cut off any Xenos force for making it through the outer shell and acquiring the Spear of Cain. But instead of sealing the vault, this bombardment cracks open this shell allowing Artark Kree to lead his forces down to the true surface of Acheron in an attempt to seize the Spear of Cain. Gorguts, of course, quickly follows. So I think it's interesting that the one, they set up a lot of stuff in the storyline so that these factions are kind of working with each other, like obviously begrudgingly, but there's Eldar fighting Eldar. There's two different Eldar forces who have different motivations, and one force is trying to stop the other one. It's a it's a Farseer trying to stop an Artark, which might seem like it goes against the lore, but if you go back and you think about our Eldari lore that we covered, Farseers can see a lot the of future. the yeah the paths in the future. So this Farseer could have seen what Kree was doing and how that could fuck shit up, and is trying to stop him and Kree being an Artark, has followed his path all the way through and is essentially dedicated. He's lost on his path, so he is going to commit himself to war no matter what. He's not going to be reasoned with, essentially. I also think it's interesting that we see this strife 
in, in the Imperium. This is the second time Inquisitor Holt has just like forsaken Imperial forces for what he perceives to be his greater good. And on the earlier in the Carvara system, he was basically like, you will not provide aid to this Imperial night world. Let them die. And Gabriel was like, fuck, you know, and in this case, Gabriel goes down and does a surgical strike, destroys his cannon is basically starting to destroy and rout Gorguts's forces, but that this Imperial bombardment fucks it all up. That's how Inquisitors work, and plus, Blood Ravens are heretics anyway. <laughs> Just share, like dark share your true feelings with exactly. us. Exactly. So this is one of those things that I was talking about. You know, If you're listening to us right now, take a second and go watch some of the cinematics and some of the marketing material that was re- released from Dawn of War 3. We're looking at one of the pictures right now. Join us on Patreon, obviously. The grit and the gore and the blood and the grimdark realism of this screen capture is not reflected in the gameplay. The gameplay is like pretty bright primary colors. And that was one of the things that like it pulls you out. It it does a disservice to the story because it pulls you out of the action. You know, you're 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 invested in this grim, dark, bloody, realistic world. And then you're like, oh, look, my Eldar are bright, are bright yellow with shiny gold edges. And it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't match what I just saw. Like, why aren't my Eldar dirty and covered filthy. in blood and, you know, look like they've been fighting a long war campaign? Yeah, filthy. It, exactly. It's it's interesting you bring that up because that is a thing in the uh, Horus Heresy novels. Um uh, with Karn from the World Eaters, when he when he's talking to Remembrancers, and like, why don't you like us? He's like, because you never catch her what war is really like. Yeah, you yeah, never you catch always, the so. grime, the dirt. You always make everything look pretty. Yeah, there's also a a big portion of the novels. It's probably not a big portion, but it it it's talked about enough that it stands out. There's a lot of portions of the Horus Heresy novels, especially the early ones where space space Marines are repairing, repainting and polishing their fucking armor (laughs) all the time. There's a lot of it. They talk about it a lot, (laughs) which, you know, it sells the fact that they take a lot of pride in the way that they look. And there's a a point to looking like a uniformed, specialized formed military. But yeah, machine spirit happy. Yep. Yep. Although back then they're not doing it for that because the machine. No, they, the Horus Heresy novels, it, so, and this actually is started to reflect more in modern Space Marine lore too. Space Marines, by and large, don't believe in the Machine Spirit or the God Emperor. They they know that the God Emperor is a God uh, grandfather. Yeah, they know that the Emperor is a mortal man or a mortal man in air quotes, and that they know that the Omnisaya is just a heretic, heretical belief that they have to accept of the. Mars space Marines by and large still believe the Imperial truth. See what the Imperial creed. Yeah. They believe the science side. I can't remember if creed or truth is the one of, one of them is everything is secular and one of them is everything is religious and they're both Imperial something. Yeah. I think it's Imperial truth is the secular, the emperor's like defined laws that he wasn't a God and that gods don't exist. You know, space Marines obviously know that chaos exists and they know that the AI in their suits can act silly. So they take care of them really well, but there's a lot less about the, like there, there's a lot more about the, 
I have to oil my bolter and clean it so it functions and a lot less of, I have to sanctify the bolter and the holy oils and incense of ancient Mars or its spirit will rebel against me. They're like, if I don't clean my gun, it will jam. (laughs) My gun's going to be happy because it has oil. Yeah. It's interesting. And because it's, because it in the in the codex, of course, all the chapters are a little different. Yeah, be, yeah, because in the codex, popular flavor so much is like, well, the Imperial Guard is super superstitious, so obviously the Space Marines are too. Yeah. What What was your question, Mark? I, I was just thinking, like, you know how the Sisters of Battle. I mean, I guess they also do that, but it's more well. There's it's, it's maintenance with the with the side dish of. You know, blessing they, and they believe sanct- the God Emperor sanctification. Is the God Emperor. Yeah, the, right. the the sisters are the opposite. The sisters believe in the imperial creed, the the religion. So, so they're, they're more of like the burn the incense over my you know bolter. Yeah. So they're <clears throat> doing they're doing the acts because they believe that the ritual empowers the spirit, not that the you know maintenance is required keeps, keeps the function. Essentially, uh, okay, and that's one of the cool parts about 40k is that blurred line between what is mechanical maintenance and what is weird pseudo religious ritual. That's like orcs, everybody you know makes fun of orcs. Oh, they're stupid, they do this. No, an orcs can take a square tube and make it a drive line because he knows it's gonna work, it's still gonna spin, it doesn't yeah. have to be round, it's gonna work, it's gonna get me there. Yeah, and that, that and that's. You know, we, we've harped about it a couple of times, but, you know, we're, we're dealing with an orc hero, so important to mention right now. Gorguts's mechanical arm mechanically functions. Yep. It, it, it's not, you know, it looks ramsh... And that's, that's the word. The word is ramshackle. It looks like junkyard engineering because it is junkyard engineering. Orc. However, just like the dude, the killdozer dude, who bought a bulldozer and welded himself into it and then drove around destroying a bunch of stuff before he died inside of it. Like that worked and that worked because it was mechanically sound. It didn't work because he believed in it (laughs) for, for orcs. It's not about it being pretty. It's about the function. Yeah. It's about, can I make it brutally function? And you know, that the hard time that a, and we, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, the hard part of a guardsman picking up a shooter is not the fact that a shooter doesn't work unless you believe in it. Like it's a fairy, like you don't have to clap to bring it back to life. Like it's Peter Pan. They have a hard time shooting it because the grip is like three times too big for their hand. Yeah. I think we kind of talked about it before. We're like, wah energy is more along the lines of like <clears throat> domino from Marvel. Yeah. It's, from it's like, it's like luck. Yeah. yeah, more luck than actual like oh, magic. Lord. Yeah, like magic, yeah. like uh, or mir- miracles. Yeah, like the sisters of battle, where it's like her arm is being devoured by like a Necron atomizer, and, <clears throat> and she's like, ah, oh, I believe in the Emperor, so yeah. it'll cleanse me. It's less of that and more of uh, yeah. it's it's just luck. I'm I'm in a pinch, and two more rounds in my in my shooter will really help me out of this pinch. But I've already fired thirty. Oh look, there there just happened to be two more in this magazine somehow. Yeah, maybe I miscounted and it's actually yeah. thirty-two rounds that I put in here instead of thirty. Right. Yeah. Or like my I you know, the choppa got shot out of my hand and it should flip around and embed itself into my, you know, deltoid or, or neck muscle, but it didn't. It flipped around and 
carved the Kriegsmen who shot it out of my hand in half. <laughs> it's stuff like that. It's right. it's uh it's not it's not you know the, it's not the bullets magically appeared in my yeah uh, in or, my magazine yeah. yeah or the um or the guardsmen holding a stick going pew 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 and the orcs believing they were shot so they fall over dead or <laughs> the reason the emperor is alive is because enough orcs believe he's alive or any of yeah. the other weird orc meme stuff it's funny it's totally funny to talk about and there are cases where you know the joke was made in the past and there's funny things you can do with the jokes you know there's very famously there's the orc commando squad that's all holding parts of a rhino and it painted on the outside of the rhino it says definitely not orcs is space marine rhino and like (laughs) it's funny it's funny (laughs) <laughs> the the orc commando that's in a barrel and there's an arm sticking out one side and a gun sticking out the other side. It's funny, but the orc's belief that he's hiding doesn't make him hide. <laughs> you know, two, two Marines very famously within the last couple of months fooled the AI robot that was made to detect people sneaking up on it by pretending that they were playing metal gear solid in real life with a box. Like, they successfully snuck up on this AI robot that was designed to look for that shenanigan shit. So sometimes an orc wearing a barrel sneaks up on a space Marine. Like it <laughs> happens. He, he's sneaky <laughs> enough to be a complete dumbass and sneak up on you. Like <laughs> he has pur- purple on his clothing. Right. Right. Cause he painted his toes purple that morning. <laughs> Nothing without toes can walk. So obviously. But the, the, and, the, and then the, the other side happens, you know, things that are painted red go a little bit faster, but it's, it's little bonuses. It's, um, yeah, what Marquis said, it's the domino thing, the luck or pushing the envelope. You know, you painted your car red, so it goes 2% faster, not you painted your car red, so it goes 900 miles faster and doesn't require gasoline. Like there's a limit to what it can do. I can just hear everybody typing emails to us right now about how oh, we're God. wrong because they read on Reddit or heard in a joke video on YouTube or blah, blah, blah. The reason why <laughs> red makes it go faster is probably because the red paint they used was a gloss and not flat. Yeah, so it reduces the wind resistance. There you go. That's why it goes faster. <laughs> Done. But like. But like an orc, a a guardsman could drive an orc truck. It would be difficult because they're different sized, but they could do it. Well, I mean, they even talk about like evil sons and how they choose speed over, uh, you know, DACA over firepower. So they don't put as many weapons on it and they paint it red and they're like, oh, it goes faster because it's red. It's like, no, it goes faster because you put less guns on it because you knew it would go faster if you had less weight. So, not I mean, not to even... go not to go back to the classic American movie Armageddon twice in a single episode, but it's that <laughs> scene where the engineer is just ripping parts off of the buggy, and NASA's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "None of the does this affect the function?" And they're like, "No." no. And he's like, sense. "Extra weight. Why are we taking it into space? <laughs> Why did you turn this upside down? It was supposed to go the other way." <laughs> yeah, well, right? we just thought, "Yeah, you're stupid." <laughs> <laughs> I love that explanation of why their their vehicles go faster, Marky. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it, that was in the codex, so I mean, yeah, uh, it's now again. It's there's definitely some function behind everything that you know. Who who knows? I know you man. love orcs. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's we, myth, it's myth. You know, 
on on one hand, you have the Mythbusters making a crazy fucking car that's going to go super fast on a on a closed set in Alameda. And on the other hand, you have Ferdinand Ferrari designing the fastest cars that will ever race in the world. Both function. Both essentially are capable of being pushed to the same places. However, they come from different engineering standards. A bunch of guys fucking around with high explosives versus a dude who's dedicated his entire life to shaping the exterior of a car. Like they, they, yeah. yeah. And the one on Mythbusters will probably slice through the Ferrari. So yeah, it's and, more orky. And it'll probably explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's canon. Jamie and the other guy, Adam. <laughs> it's like the guy who I've actually talked to. Jamie and Adam are orcs. Yep, canon. Pretty much. <laughs> They're Gork and Mork. <laughs> they even fight with uh, each other all the time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Gabriel... Angelos, along with the Blood Ravens and Lady Solaria, in her Imperial Knight, arrive at the Temple of the Spear and overrun Kree and Gorguts's forces, who are currently fighting it out. Gorguts exacts heavy revenge and retaliation during the conflict with the help of Big Mech Wazmaka's Beauty of Morkanot. I really want to know what the Beauty of Morkanot looks like because that's an of Morkanot. That's, that's its funny. name. Beauty I of Morkanot. This allows Gorguts and Kree to enter the temple and both race for the Spear of Cain. Kree quickly bests Gorguts in single combat, claiming the Spear of Cain to bring it down for a killing blow. However, the prophecy of the Spear was a trap laid out by the forces of Chaos, and instead of killing Gorguts, the blade of the Spear shatters, consuming Kree as a blood sacrifice. This kickstarts a ritual to feed and revive the bloodthirster Storm Prince, that has been entombed under the ice of Acheron the entire time. All of the death and blood spilled on the planet during its millennium of imperial control has slowly fed the slumbering demon. Much of this blood and many of these deaths actually being fueled by others who pursued the spear and its prophecy itself. So that was the thing that I, you know, earlier I had mentioned a lot times in the game when you're walking along the surface of Acheron, there's a giant bloodthirster trapped under the ice. He wakes up. The three factions on Acheron, the Eldari, the Space Marines, and the Orcs, find themselves beset by the forces of the warp. The Bloodthirster draws on thousands of years in death to empower more and more warp spawn. An alliance of necessity is quickly formed, and the and Farseer Maka tasks Gorguts with destroying the Chaos Spires that are powering the Greater Demon and generating the warp spawn. At the same time, Gabriel goes off to do something else, and Maka's forces go off to do something else as well. Very famously, this is when Gabriel's lieutenant, the second of the Blood Ravens, drives the Blood Ravens chapter ship, uh, Battle Barge, that's the name of those, drives the Blood Ravens battle barge into the planet itself, which destroys it and cracks it into a bunch of different pieces. That is a story for a different podcast, however. As Acheron begins to fragment, with it, the greater demon's power and influence shrink alongside the planet's slow destruction. So, Gabriel Anglios and Angelus, Gabriel Angelus's second in command drives this battle barge into the planet. It cracks it, it starts to break apart. The demon starts to lose power and influence. Gorguts destroying the Chaos Spires are what allows this to happen. 
Maka goes off and does her own things, which also fuel into it. So they all have to work together to get this basically to happen. Farseer Maka believes that the prophecy of the three wayfarers speaks directly to the three factions and their leaders. So the prophecy of the three wayfarers kind of laid out what the spear actually was and the fact that Cree going for it would cause all this shit to happen. In that prophecy, Maka foresees these three wayfarers basically saving the galaxy. She comes to the understanding that this is Gorguts, Gabriel, and herself, and they team up to defeat and banish the greater demon Storm Prince from the galaxy. Fighting across the drifting fragments of the planet and through hordes of demons to reach the ruins of the Temple of the Spear once again. Once Storm Prince is defeated, the three heroes warily part ways. However, Gorguts drags his feet just long enough to claim the remains of the Spear of Cain and add it as a trophy because he always needs another stick. To this day, Gorguts Edunta is still at large and menaces any he comes across. Dun, dun, dun. So he got his toothpick at the end of the day. He got, he he, got he, it. He got his shiv you were talking about on his boot. Got his there's, no more, there's no more blade to it. It's just the stick. And he wears, it's part of his boss pole, basically. He added it to his trophy rack. Dope. Which is, it, yeah. Because <laughs> you <laughs> always need a, a pointy stick. I love Why you put a head on it? Because you wouldn't put a foot on it, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you like twos. <laughs> you guys are getting all of the orc voices because Tom's not here to yell at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll wrap it up talking about Gorguts's personality and his war gear. Gorguts led his wah with an iron fist and a reputation for killing his own boys to prove a point. His arrogancy is legendary, and he does not ever accept defeat as an actual defeat, instead reframing it as part of his own skills and cunning to get away. However, at the same time, he also doesn't like to be flattered. So he lies about how good he is, <laughs> and, and he's never been defeated. But if you, if you do the normal, like, grot thing of flattering him, he'll stomp you into paste. Interesting. Yeah, right? Like most orcs, he venerates the color red and has even painted the exoskeleton of his mega armor red since it goes faster. His defining trait is the collection of the heads of his defeated enemies, and he was greatly disappointed when he and his boys were unable to secure the head of one of the Tau commanders that he fought in the Krava campaign. However, despite all of his boasting, you guys may have noticed a little trend as we were talking about his lore. He's kind of a bit of a coward, and he often follows the ideals that discretion is the better part of valor, often leaving before it's too late so he can fight from a more secured position in the future. So when a battle starts going against him, he doesn't do the traditional orc, I'm in it, it's a good fight, I'm going to stay here and die on this hill or win the day. He goes, I'm a dip, and I'm going to come back with more people. So he has a little bit of a, like a blood axe kind of tactic to him. A little bit, yeah. He's a little bit cunning. Yeah. He's a he's little more, bit cunning. Or if he knows he's falling behind, he can do like a his, yeah. what do they call it? It's not retreating. It's a tactical withdrawal. Yeah, yeah tactical <laughs> withdrawal. <laughs> That's right. 
However, as Marky just pointed out, and as the, the lore pointed out, this is actually a valuable tactic as he has a relatively long track record of various battles and conquests, and he took an entire system. So that's worked for him in the past. Have to sneeze at. Gorguts's war gear. He has several powerful weapons and his own custom exoskeleton of mega armor. This features a custom power claw and has horns affixed to its front for melee combat. Although these horns have been seen damaging his own orc infantry when he gets overexcited. So he gets excited about something. He might pick you up, slam you into his armor, or maybe turn around too fast and impale you, or both. He also has a large custom shooter in his left arm, which is able to kill an entire company of Imperial Guardsmen from 100 yards away. I don't know why it was important to say an entire company of Imperial Guardsmen from 100 yards away, but I left it in to fuck with Kev. (laughs) His armor is, as I mentioned earlier, painted red, since reddens go faster. I like how that's just the... the like the bar to set it's like well how many guardsmen can you kill with it from 100 <laughs> from 100 yards there, away there are like, a lot of weapons in 40k especially on heroes that. that are like like uh the horns the not the horns the talons of horus abaddon's weapon like one yeah. of its flavor text is capable of killing a company of guardsmen <laughs> it's like in one foul sweep <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's a that's a weird but yeah, it's like a you big said, swing <laughs> That's the bar. That's that. A... That's it right there. How do you hey. measure any weapon in the 40k universe? Well, how many guardsmen can it kill? <laughs> how many? How many guardsmen are in a company? <laughs> I I think the number's hazy. Uh, 120. 120? Is it, isn't it? I don't think it's a set number in the guard because the guards' regiments are a fucking mess. Yeah. Like a company, oh. uh, maybe maybe it's a 120. Yeah, I don't I think know. it's a set number so, though. So real world's 120. Yeah, uh, dude, it's been a long time. Okay, well, let's go with 120. So you're talking the gun that he carries in his left hand can kill 120 guardsmen. Oh, that's awesome. You're likely always looking at a number that is less than 1,000 guardsmen. Thank you, Internet, for providing wow. an accurate and usable number for us. <laughs> a company is anywhere from a few dozen to 200 soldiers. So, yeah. That could be different for guardsmen, obviously. But. Yeah, yeah, because the regiments are, are are obviously a fucking mess. But yeah, it's it's just um, it's an interesting stat. I think it just gets thrown around because like guardsmen are the <laughs> the tissue paper of the forty k world. <laughs> Normal humans suck in forty k. Just so it, everyone knows, it's not where you want to start. <laughs> it's not where you want to be. You want to be a space marine. I'll be As, a sister of battle. <laughs> <laughs> Marky wants that boost. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, Gorguts is an interesting character. I'm definitely glad that our patrons voted for him and pushed him to the top of the heroes that we had to look through. It was cool looking into a hero that I knew by name and I knew by a couple of quotes, but I didn't have a lot of information on because I have not played the Dawn of War games in a long in a long enough period to remember. I do remember playing the orcs quite a bit though, and I do remember the boss being in mega armor. So Yep. That that survived. Uh, he's a he's a dope in model form. There's a you know I want to say a collectible that was released with one of the games or a potential collect. I don't know if it was ever actually released, but there was a potential statuette that they had done like some renderings of that looked really dope. 
There's a couple of people who have kit bashed him that look really cool. If I were to, I guess, set about trying to come up with my own orc warlord, this would be a place to start. I obviously started a different way when I came up with one Tuska. I mean, they got a, they have a war boss in Mega Armor now. Yeah, <clears throat> you can probably do something pretty, pretty similar. Uh, you'd, ha- you'd have to bit smash that power claw though. That thing is massive. Yeah, I'll basically massive. get the. The, what is it, the workstation for the uh, the mech boys? Doesn't it have like a claw yeah, looking thing? Yeah, it's got a giant claw Just on it. slam that uh, on him. No, you know what you'd do? You'd Make take it a, a, plastic a, morconaut, a morconaut claw. Probably stick it, stick it but, on that war But box. if you take the morconaut claw, then you can't make the beauty of morconaut. But then you got Gorguts, so it's, I mean... That's true. We'll it's, it's, a it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off. Just magnetize it so you can snap it on him or put it on <laughs> So well, there, I want to the, see the beauty, the beauty, the beauty of what Morganot. I want, I want to see the beauty of Morganot. I need to see the beauty of Morganot. Somebody, somebody needs to come up with that art. Like, why? What? What is an orc looking at that they're calling beautiful? I a beautiful. It's beautiful, my love. Look at, look at how it gleams off the red paint, the fresh blood in the morning. It's <laughs> so when you, it's when you pick up, you pick up a grot, like you know, when you. When you throw your arm around somebody's shoulder and you pull them close, you just pick up a grot that way, and like the crook of your arm, the crot's like turning blue and dying, and you're like, "Oh, it's a beauty, my love." <laughs> the grot's like struggling and trying to get away. It's such a weird name. There you go. There it is. Oh, there, there is one. There's artwork. Yeah, right yeah, there. it's in the game. Beauty de more. No, look at that um, thing. It's got a it's lot got of dice. Lot of it's got dice on its fucking head. That's, oh, that's great. Dope. Uh that's an awesome Morkanot. Yeah. There you go. So one of the one of the things that I came across when I was doing research for this, to, just to just to dip a bit into Tangent Land again, was a lot of people were super mad about Gabriel Angelos's Angelos's, excuse me. I keep trying to say angle and it's totally angel. I don't. Yeah. Angelos. I don't get why I keep doing that. One of the complaints about Gabriel Angelos was that the voice acting recast was bad. And one of the guys that had like put together a comp, like these are the reasons I hate Dawn of War three. He had put together stuff and it was, I get that for two games, the voice actor of Gabriel was one person. And then for the third game, it was somebody different, but it was definitely one of those, like, I'm going to try my best fake British accent. I'm Gabriel and I'm here to lead my men into battle and it will be glorious for the empire was like the first two. And then the third game, it was like, I'm Gabriel and I don't take shit from anybody. And I'm like, dude, the, the dude that voices him in the third one sounds better. Like I realized that that's probably going to get a little bit of nerd rage, but he honestly sounds a little bit more like an old grizzled space Marine. I was going to say yeah. in, he's a lot younger in the first game. That's true. He he's also third, a lot so. younger. This this is the three of them, by the way. That's Gab- Gabriel, Maka, and Gorguts. Maka, God, yeah, hey. yeah. Maka's a female farseer. She's I, the. I hope so, Jesus, because she's the female farseer in a lot of the. You know, are go. You, are you go having? Watch. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you have a pillow right now. Have, having impure thoughts right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it, listeners, go watch the cinematic trailer. 
or Dawn of War three. It is it's it's, it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, Maka's working with some some stuff. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, wow, Marky. Wrong uh, episode, Marky. So, bam, anyway, Banshee. Oh, yeah. Who's I'm getting the, him ramped up. I got to get him slowly. I got one more episode to ramp him up, you, and then I can just unleash him. You don't have to hype him or ramp him up. He's ready to go. Yeah, the episode Jesus. 69, 420. We're ready to go. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, uh, Yvrain? Is that, is that the, yeah, the girlfriend? Yeah, Yvrain. <laughs> Yvrain, the girlfriend. Yes, yeah. Yvrain is the embodiment of the incarn, oh, the incarnate. Maka is the, the embodiment of, what I want to be a part of. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's all reboot. You don't have any competition from Marky. <laughs> yeah, man. He's all going after Maka. that, that far sussy. I read something earlier where, uh, I can't remember what, what fucking movie they were talking about, but, um, the meme was something like they asked the director of of, of see <laughs> this dick. They were they asked some director like, "Well, how are you going to bring such and such characters to like a '90s movie like to life?" And it's like, "Ah, oh, oh, um, Phil Collins, are you down to this is this is the meme? Phil, Phil Collins, are you down to write the entire score for Tarzan, the animated Disney film?" Phil Collins, "Yes, I'm ready to bring that." Tarusi, <laughs> Disney, <laughs> and then it went wow. back to the Disney exec and was like, "Mr. What? Collins, sir, it's the 1990s. That joke doesn't make any sense yet." <laughs> I was like, "God damn it! They got me. <laughs> they had me in the that first half, good. but yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good." As we mentioned right up at the top, we let our patrons vote on the direction of this segment. So every Heroes of 40K becomes a poll on our Patreon. We will toss a fourth name back into that poll and let all of the losers of the last bracket, those who lost to good old Gorguts, go in it for a second round, but we will go with the guys that you choose you want us to cover next. If you want to know more about lore of Dawn of War or have questions about Gorguts we didn't answer or uncover, let us know by getting into contact with us about the show. We also love when you guys share your own short stories, lore, and spooky dookies with us. You can reach us by email at underthehiveofmadness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. You can also get into contact with all of us by joining our Discord community. There we chat about our episodes, the lore that we are developing for the Carcosin sector, the lore of 40k itself, hobby, tactics, name it. If it exists in 40k, we talk about it. Plus, there are some Age of Sigmar folk over there, Warhammer Fantasy Battle, Mordenheim, creative writing, video games, role-playing, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. Definitely, if you listen to us and you love this stuff and you want to get involved with a cool community, share your hobby progress and all of that, totally check out the Discord. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or at underthehiveofmadness.com. Are you guys looking at Maka? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Listen, this is a professional podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> All I got to say is I'd buy that for a dollar. Wow. <laughs> like and review us wherever you get your podcast fix. Our home is Spotify and Anchor FM, but we are on Apple, Google, Audible, Stitcher, 
Amazon Music, Amazon Podcasts. No, no, Amazon Music, Audible. That's what it's called and many, many more. Support us through Patreon at www.patreon.com slash under the hive of madness. Patreon members get access to a video podcast with minimal editing. You can see our lovely faces and follow along with whatever we are looking at on screen, as well as hearing all of our bloopers in real time. All Patreon levels also get access to our quarterly painting contest. Plus, we have perks at higher levels, such as that poll on who we will cover in our next Heroes of 40K segment. So go over and check it out today. Frank's Rucker Truck, your one-stop hive shop. Get just what you need to sweep the streets or fight off your hunger. Try Frank's new gunpowder spiced rat burrito. Only two creds while browsing only the finest in secondhand armaments. Sometimes that second hand is even included. That's a spicy rat. We are the pure mischief makers of Innsmouth, the true sound of rebellion, 665.66UHMR Chemrat Radio, reminding all of you Chemrats, hive mice, and some coolies to keep those dials fixed right here. Same ratty frequency for a dose of the same ratty-ass attitude. Look, for they are rising from the horror frost. Every eye will see them, even those whom have been blinded by them. And all the people will mourn. For blood will flow from their four claws. Dig it. As brought, brought to you by the opening to the book of Revelations. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just, just a very tweak.